Listen, there are, are several types of, of, of messages that a pastor can choose to preach there. Um, you know, a lot of times we will compartmentalize or categorize them into certain areas based upon the content. And so um, what I tend to do is think in terms of, of messages that are either a hold them up, fire them up, or build them up. And what I mean by that is a, a hold them up service or me message is, is one where you're going to use scripture uh, to encourage people to get through something, to get past it, uh, to know that God is, is our strength and, and a, a, a very present help in time of trouble. And we're going to preach a message specific about getting through a, a difficult time. The second category is, is a fire them up, and it's, it's a motivational message geared toward centering us or recentering us on, on God's agenda for mankind, that we need to be a people that is motivated to reach the next person, to, to do something as a church, to be motivated for movement. So that, that's a fire them up. And then there's a build them up, which is what we're going to be doing this morning. And a build them up is, is specifically designed for us to just disciple people. For us to talk about a certain topic in Scripture that we should have knowledge of as believers in Christ. And um, so there's not really like this big agenda where we're, we're trying to motivate or inspire or, or encourage. But it's just information that is relevant to us as followers of Christ. And so we're going to do that today. And we're going to talk about the topic of baptism in a couple of weeks, we're going to be baptizing here the weekend after Easter is I Have Decided Weekend at all of our campuses. And so we're going to be baptizing people. And the reason we're bringing this up this morning is because we want to give you ample time to reflect, to think through what you, what you think about baptism, to think about what you hear this morning, to have, have a conversation with your spouse, etc., uh, with, with, with your children and just talk about the importance of this topic. And so I just want to dive into this and then we're going to have communion together this, this morning. So let me give you some background. Baptism has not always been a religious word. As a matter of fact, in the first century, um, it was a very common word in the vocabulary of that day and time. The word baptism was used to simply, by definition, means to soak or plunge. And so anytime you were going to reference that, you would use the word baptism or baptize. I'm going to baptize this or that. And so it was a very common word. And so over time, baptism has developed into a religious term. Not only has the word baptism brought a little bit of conflict, but the when of baptism and the how of baptism has created a little bit of tension even among fellow followers of Jesus. There's no doubt that you uh, here this morning, this is a very diverse crowd, all kinds of baptism backgrounds or, or interpretation of scripture or perceptions or experiences. For some of you as a child, maybe you were, you were, you were sprinkled as an, an infant. You had an infant baptism. For some of you, depending on what stage of life you were in, you were baptized as, as a child maybe because your parents believed that. And then later on in a different stage, you were baptized because of what you specifically believed or what your church specifically believed about bab baptism. And so we have all kind of story and experience in this room when it comes to this topic. And so I just want to give us some, some thoughts about, about this from the Word of God. So let's start with Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. We use it often. 
And it says this, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And so it's important for us to kind of get a context of this. And so let me back up some. In 1 AD, many Gentiles like you and I would go and visit a Jewish culture and we would find that Jewish culture to be impressive. It was, uh, at that day and time, the Jewish culture was one of the only monotheistic or the worship of one God cultures going. And so the Gentiles, like you and I would, in, in that day and in, in, in time, we would look at, at the Jewish culture, experience it, and it was energetic because it was focused, it was it had a lot of, of depth to it and knowledge to it. And an entire culture had taken all of their energy and, and, their, and their spiritual worship and aimed it in the direction of one God. So there wasn't this worshiping God of, of the sea and the moon or the, or the sun or a, or a specific star or a building or anything. No, we believed that, or the Jews believed that that God was over all of those things and he had created all of those things. So it was this monotheistic approach to worship, and the Gentiles were very, very drawn to it. So as they would come into these, to this Jewish culture, Gentiles would say, how do I convert? How do I, I become Jewish? So if, if I don't want to follow all of these gods, and I, I, I too want the energy of this culture and the discipline of this culture, how do I hop into this? And so a system was created for people with that, with that thought. And there, there were five things. I'm going to give those to you really quick. The first one was circumcision. So most of the converts were women. Okay, The men were like, I'm out. Okay, I, I'm, I'm no longer, I'm fine with worshiping the, the son. I'm good. Okay, So uh, circumcision. The second one was a meal that was reflective of the Passover. So we're going we're gonna to sit and reflect and, and have certain types of, of things at our table that are symbolic, and, and we're going we're gonna to rep, replicate the Passover. The third thing was to acknowledge that the Old Testament was law. So there had to be a verbal commitment. I believe that the Old Testament is law over me. I will do my best to memorize, to observe it, to teach it, to model it, et cetera, to teach my children, and so on. Then, then there had to be an animal sacrifice. So these Gentiles would have to go through the same process as, as Jewish people. They would go and make a purchase, depending on, on their uh, ec economic status. And they would go purchase a specific animal, bring it to the priest, go through the whole thing. And so there was a sacrifice for the atonement of sin. Then the fifth thing was a ceremonial washing. Now this was not what you and I would call baptism. This was a, was a washing that was a, a symbol of, of my old man is gone, my Gentile man is gone, my worship of all these other gods is gone, um, my openness to things other than Scripture is gone, and now I I'm, I'm a new person. And so it was this symbolic washing. After those five things, that person was called a convert. And so they could now say that they were into the Jewish culture, all right? So enters John in 30 AD. So we got kind of 30 years of this conversion experience. Now, John the Baptist is a guy that if he walked in this morning, you and I would take a second look. I'm just being honest. We would look at him and we would go, I'm not sure about this guy. He makes me nervous. Uh, he acts differently. 
John had just enough weirdness and just enough charisma to be attractional. So people were drawn to both the oddity of his personality and the fact that he was on fire with this message about Jesus. And they wanted to get just close enough to hear him. So we got this guy who's wrapped in animal fur, eating locust, and we don't know if that was that particular nut that they talk about or if it was the actual insect. Either way, he's dipping them in honey. And so he's eating all this stuff, and, and it's just peculiar. And so John comes up with this fire about Jesus, and he's talking about this message. And the message is so simple that we could take it and put it on a 3x5 index card. It was the same message, repeated daily, and it was simple, this. Repent, repent, repent. Now, I want you to keep in mind about who his audience is. His audience is this very focused, energetic, monotheistic, rule-abiding Jewish culture. And he's looking at those people and saying, you need to get your heart right because you're doing a lot of stuff, but I don't think that you're authentic. I don't think you're, you're, you're real. I don't think you mean any of it. I think you have a meal and you sacrifice, and you call yourself the son of Abraham, and you submit yourself to Old Testament law, but I'm not sure that you're following the same, the same teaching that I am. And so he finds the Jordan River. Keep, keep in mind this context. The Jordan is the hub, man. It is, it is the, the, the life center of this city. People come there to get water. They come there to wash clothing. They come there to socialize. And he says, that's where I'm going. I'm going where the people are. And he steps down into the Jordan, and he starts to declare this, repent and be baptized. And he's saying this, if you really believe that there is going to be a son of God, if you believe that the Christ is here, Come down in here with me and be baptized in front of all of these people who are socializing and gathering water and washing clothes. Come down in the middle of this hub and make it known to all of these people that you are a believer in Jesus Christ. John was saying this, it's not enough you to be circumcised. It's not enough for you to attach yourself to Abraham. It's not enough for you to attach yourself to Old Testament law. It's not enough. You need to go public with your faith, with some authenticity. Right? So the first time ever in history, baptism was no longer just a common word. It became tethered to an experience of faith. That for the very first time, baptism became a symbol of something that, I, that is going on inside of my heart. It, it was the identification of someone and their decision to become a follower of Jesus, to go public with it, okay? Enters Jesus. Matthew chapter 3, we know he's in the area of, of Galilee and verse 13 tells us this. Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. So Jesus firmly believes in this teaching. 
He's heard about it. I mean, John is famous by, by, by this point. And John has got his own disciples. So he is modeling baptism by immersion. He's teaching other people how to do it. And those people are saying, I'm with John. I'm part of John's baptism. And so he's got, he's got people. And his people are baptizing and they're teaching and people are lining up to trade in this appearance of sacrifice and son of Abraham and I'm under law to say I'm going to be authentic and make a public declaration that I'm baptized, that I, that I love Jesus Christ. Okay, so I want you to get this because there's a lot going on. And Scripture shows us this. And every time I talk about baptism, I talk about this particular aspect because it's awesome. This is people being real. Okay, so watch this. Jesus gets baptized, and scholars believe that at that particular point, the ministry of Jesus be, begins. We know how it unfolds. The Father's voice begins to ring out. This is my son, and I'm, I'm well pleased. And then it says, the Holy Spirit, like a dove. Okay, now our, our, our modern art has a bird literally sitting on his shoulder. But the word there is hosai, which means in the mannerism of. So it could mean that the Holy Spirit, like a gentle dove, came upon him. Either way, we know he was affirmed. And so we have the voice of God, we've got the affirmation of the Spirit of God. And so at that point, Jesus goes on and starts his, his ministry. So Jesus has people baptizing. John has people baptizing. And Scripture shows us this. This is awesome. Okay, This was all, all before Mari came out and Oprah. <laughs> the disciples of John are cruising the Jordan River. And they look over, and there are people not connected to them baptizing. And they're like, wait, just, uh, wait a minute. And he's like, get, get, get closer, I'm going to take a picture. So he pulls up, and he gets his phone out, and he, and he, and he snaps a video of Jesus' people baptizing people. And they're mad. And they go back to John. They said, John, we need you a minute. Get the locust out of your mouth. Come over. you got to check this out. And they zoom in. What's, what do you think is going on here, John? They took what we created, this model of faith you came up with, and now they're doing it and taking all the glory. They had a T-shirt shack on the side of the river. They're making money off this. we got to be able to sue somebody, John. And John, in all of his humility, squelches the whole thing. And he tells them, listen, I, I'm, I'm not a prophet. I'm not Jesus. I'm just a guy who believes in him. And so if you want to know who Jesus is, there he is. And he just shuts the whole thing down. But his people would not relent. And so a host of like hashtags started blowing up in social media. And it was like hashtags like make baptism great again. And then it was like, we will, we will dunk you. It was, it was all, these, all these amazing things. It was a social wreck, okay, all this stuff going on. But again, John, in his humility, ends it. And he says, listen, you need to do 
what, what, the, the whole premise is just, just be baptized. But the first Baptists were really upset with the second Baptists. And, and, and there was this tension. Thank you. I wrote that myself. That was, that was <laughs> And so the very first thing that we got to get is that baptism is a public declaration. It's public. I've, I've asked people be, before, they, they've come to me and said, hey, can you come to my pool in my backyard and baptize me? My first question is, is anybody else going to be there? Because if it's just you and me in your pool baptizing, uh, that's, you got to have people. The part that makes baptism so, baptism so powerful is that you are coming public with your faith in Jesus Christ, and you're telling people, this is how I feel is going on. So Mark 8, 38, we kind of anchor ourselves to this. If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, so the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory. Baptism is part of being unashamed. It's saying, I'm a believer, I'm a follower, and I'm going to tell you that I am. I'm not ashamed of it. Men, let me give you an, an example. What if we propose to our, our wives, we're like, baby, listen, I love you. I want to spend the rest of my life with you. Let's get married. But let's don't tell anybody. That'd be awesome, right? And she looks at you like you're the biggest jerk ever, okay? Why? Because she wants to go public with it. Just tell everybody. Now, Robbie and I, we dated pre-Facebook, thank God. We got married pre-Facebook, thank God. But some people, it's a very big deal to change your relationship status. And I know it because we've given it a name. Face, we are Facebook official. Because I got 500 friends and he's got 1,500. We just told 2,000 people that we have made the change. We are for each other. We are committed. Hands off. Okay? And we make it Facebook official. It becomes a big deal to us. Baptism is making it official. It's putting the ring on. It's making it permanent. It's saying, I am a believer in Jesus Christ, and this is part of my covenant relationship with him. Okay? The second thing. Baptism is a personal declaration. The beauty, when we look at Old Testament baptism, the beauty of it is that it's not coerced. It's not forced. It's not like, like these five things. Well, if you want to be you know, part of the Jewish culture, then you've got to be circumcised and have a sacrifice and have a meal and declare the Old Testament. And you've, you've got to do all of, of these. No. Baptism was a choice. By their own volition, they said, I'm going to come forward. And I'm going to be baptized. And the Jordan became lined with people who were saying, I want to tell everybody here that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. It's important. Okay. Third, baptism is a picture of salvation or a reflection of salvation. Okay. Now, I'm going to split hairs here for a minute. People ask me all, all of the time in our, our community, and we have a very religious community, a lot of great churches to go to here. A lot of great pastors leading. And people will ask me, Kevin, what is it like to pastor a non-denominational church? And I, I will tell them, well, here, here's the deal. I don't, I don't really see us as a non-denominational. I see us as an inter-denominational church. 
Here's why. Because the majority of, of us came from some type of background that you would identify with. And I, I'm, I'm not going to do it, but if we did a social experiment and I just had, had you raise your hand and, and identify, you know, I, I could say, how many of you would identify with the Baptist faith? And hands would go up. How many of you would identify with the Methodist faith? Hands would go up. How many of you would identify with Church of Christ faith? You'd raise your hand. How many of you identify with the Assembly of God or Church of God or so on? And some of you would, how many of you would identify with nothing because you don't know who you are? And hands would go up. Okay? And so there are a lot of different faiths and perceptions and interpretations, okay? So just stay, stay with me because I'm going to split hairs for just a moment. The only reason, the only reason that I do not teach baptism as a finisher or a button to salvation is because I believe that the work of the cross was that strong. I believe in my interpretation of Scripture that when Jesus said it's finished, that, that was it. That there's nothing that I can do, like those five things like circumcision, have a meal, proclaim the Old Testament. There's nothing that I can do after the work of the cross to go and do that finishes my, my salvation with him. So I do believe it is a, a reflection, it is necessary. It is significant. It is very, very important. But I believe that the work of the cross was that strong. And I think that I will get to heaven, that we'll get to heaven and see that, that act, the actual work of the cross was a lot bigger than you and I could even fathom. So there's nothing that I believe I can do to, to, to tag on to it, to make an addendum. But I do think it's very, very, very important. Okay, now here's, here's why I don't, I don't care about this. Because if you're here this morning and you say, well, I totally disagree with you, I'm great with that. It's not a deal breaker. I'm not here to build walls. I, I, I will never, never, never. One of the biggest joys I get in an interdenominational church is the fact that you can believe this and I can believe a different way. And we're great. As long as you believe that Jesus Christ is, is the Son of God, died and was resurrected and is coming back a, a, again, we're on the same team. I don't care if, if you, if you want to say, I believe that my faith tells me that I've got to stand out here and stack jelly beans on my head to finish salvation. So be it. Get to stacking. <laughs> so if you tell me, Kevin, I've got to be baptized to be saved, here's why it doesn't matter to me. Because you're going to go and be baptized, and, 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 and that's your point of salvation. My point of salvation was I believed in the Son of God and confessed my sins, and I'm saved, and I'm still going to be baptized. We're both wet. Right? We're both going. We just believe we're going at different times. We're going. So I believe it's a reflection of it. So form and timing, let me hurry. Throughout history, there are many displays of, of baptism. Again, some were sprinkled. Um, this is ironic. But when I delved into this, I couldn't believe it. But believe it or not, in history, there were sometimes times when, when there were significant droughts and they had no water. And people wanted to be, be baptized. I believe Jesus Christ, Son of God. I confess my sins. I, I, I want to be baptized. But there's no water. Creeks are dry. Ponds are dry. Rivers are dry. You want to know what, 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 what they baptize them in? Wine. 
Some of you are like, sign me up. <laughs> Rebaptize in a vintage 44. That's me. That's what I want. Okay? They, they, they immersed them in wine. Okay? I saw this, and if you haven't seen it, you owe it to yourself to go and watch this. But Andy Stanley had a man at his church who was a paraplegic. And he came to him and he said, I want to be, be baptized. And you, you can watch, it's so strong. I promise you, you'll, you'll, you'll cry. And if you don't, you have no soul. <laughs> they bring this man up, and he's in, he's in a, a, a wheelchair, and, and he can't move from the neck, neck down. And so Andy got with the medical team and said, I want to baptize this guy. How do I do it? And they said, he cannot be immersed. If he takes on any water, he, he doesn't have control of reflex to, to cough it up. I mean, he, he just can't do it. And so... What they did, they leaned him way back on, on the stage, and they covered up his breathing apparatus, and they took a vessel of water, and they poured it all over his face, and they quickly wiped, wiped it off, and they baptized him in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Do I think that man was baptized? Absolutely. Because I think it was an issue of his heart. It was impossible to get him underwater. Okay? So that starts some of these theological grinds with everybody. Okay? I believe the man was baptized. Do I believe that you should immerse when possible? Yes. Why? Simply because Jesus did it. That's it. That's the only reason. Okay? So timing, when it comes to timing, when should I be baptized? Immediately. As soon as you possibly can. So let me answer some questions. You say, Kevin, I'm here. And, you know, I got baptized when I was, when I was very young. It didn't have significant meaning to me. But now I'm an adult. And I know that, you know, I made this decision to follow Jesus. And, but I look back on my baptism experience, and, I, and I'm, not, I'm not excited about it. It's not, guess what, you should be re-baptized. Re There's nothing in Scripture that tells you that you cannot be re-baptized. Re it's important to you as an adult to have it, then have it. Do it. Okay? If, um, if you're here today, you know, my, my father, a couple of years ago, he came to me, 70, he was 70 then. And he came, he said, son, I've never been baptized. I was like, how in the world? You know, I mean, this is a very godly man raised us. Godly. My sister and I are both in the ministry. A very godly home, prayer-filled home, loving home. And he said, I've never been baptized. And he said, will you baptize me? And I said, yes, I will. And so on the, on the same day, I got to baptize my dad and my daughter. It was a win for, for me, but here, here's the thing. On that day, you're talking about a guy who can't even remember how far back he had given and dedicated his life to Christ, but had never been baptized. And if that's you, guess what? You need to be baptized. It's a personal thing. Okay? So let me apply this quickly, and then we're going to take communion. If you've made a decision to follow Christ and have not been baptized, you need to go public with your faith. It's... The first thing that we need to do is, 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 is to seal it, to have the covenant, to go public with it, to declare it. Okay? As a church, we need to celebrate it. That's why as, now listen, I, I, I grew up, I'm, I'm just, I'm prodding here, but I, I grew up in a church that at times could have been identified as very stagnant and dry. And when we baptized people, it was very methodical. And it was very dry, and it had a little golf clap at the very end. And, and so they would dunk, and everybody. And they'd dunk the next person. 
when people go public, man, it should be a party. It should be a celebration. It's why in two weeks when we fill this tank and we put it here and we put people in it and we immerse them in water based upon the confession of their faith in Jesus Christ and they go public, we should get so excited about that. People are going public. It's why we love to have a baptism environment here that, that is like a celebration and that is not like just a, a really, you know, fake, I guess, you know, should we be happy or not kind of deal. Yes, we should celebrate as a church when people go public with their faith. Third, if you were baptized as a child and it does not have meaning to you, do it again. Do it. Let baptism means something to you. So if, if, if you did it early and here you are as an adult, you're like, man, I, I would love to be baptized. Then be baptized. Okay? Be baptized. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to pray over this because next week we're going to tell all of your friends and family that you invite the story of hope of Jesus. And then we're going to challenge those people to come back the 23rd and be baptized in water. And listen, the church, this is strong, but the church will not mean near as much to you until you have personally witnessed inviting someone and then seeing their lives change because of the message. And so you've got an opportunity over the next couple of weeks specifically to get somebody here, see their life change, and have the experience of witnessing baptism with them. Okay? So I want to pray over that.